Hello, I'm Mary Beth Kingston, the Chief Nursing Officer for Advocate Health and your host for this Outcomes Rocket series focused on awareness and solutions for workplace violence, specifically in healthcare. Today, we'll be discussing the importance of engaging and partnering with the community to develop solutions to violence, both in terms of workplace safety and in terms of overall health. And I am just delighted today to be joined by Dr. Jason Stapira. Uh, he is just a passionate advocate for safety and help in the healthcare workplace. And let me tell you a little bit about uh, Dr. Stapira. So following his graduation from emer an emergency medicine residency in 2003, he entered private practice at a rural community hospital emergency department. And for all of us who have worked in emergency departments, we know that you do experience workplace violence, rural, urban, commute, at any setting that you choose to practice in, you will experience this. In 2013, he accepted an academic position with Wake Forest University. And in 2016, I didn't even know this, Jason, and so you're very modest, he was named the North Carolina Doctor of the Year. In 2022, following a workplace violence event, Dr. Stapira was asked to lead workplace violence mitigation efforts for Atrium Health Wake Forest Baptist. And since that time, he has partnered with advocate health leadership, really to improve teammate safety, both quantitatively and qualitatively. And he currently serves as the Enterprise Director of Workplace Violence Mitigation. So Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad you're here to share your learnings, your experience, and your expertise. I'm completely honored, Mary Beth. Thank you very much. This is a part of a series, as I mentioned, and in prior sessions, we've discussed workplace violence in healthcare, primarily from the viewpoint of the sites of care delivery, specifically in hospitals and healthcare systems. But we know that care does not occur in a vacuum. And we know that violence in our communities impacts health and healthcare delivery. Jason, my first question for you is, can you help us understand more about what's happening in our communities and how this intersects with violence in the healthcare workplace? I'll certainly try. The violence that we're seeing in our communities is increasing. It's a, such a problem that even the CDC has stated that community violence is uh, at a critical level and a real threat to uh, public health in the United States. And their research shows that the youth and young adults between the ages of 10 and 34, um, and those particularly located in communities of color, are disproportionately impacted by this violence. And that violence that we're seeing in the communities, we're also unfortunately seeing a bleed over into our healthcare facilities. And it's so important for us to appreciate uh, what is happening outside of our walls first. We need to be able to appreciate the, the number of assaults and the number of mass shootings that are occurring so we can be prepared not only to take care of patients, but also to try to reduce the, the amount of violence that, that's occurring in our world today. You know, it's interesting. A couple of things that I'd like to follow up on there. One is when you talked about mass shootings and violence occurring in the community, we've really focused on the impact on teammates, team members, healthcare um, workers as 
you know, experiencing healthcare violence as they're caring for patients. But this brings a whole other piece into it, and that is the trauma. And and I, I've had a number of discussions with people who have cared for victims, um, many of whom did not survive of mass shootings, and the trauma that occurs long term on all folks that are engaged in that. So I think that's another impact of workplace violence as that comes in from the community. Just seeing some of the things that that our caregivers have seen is really, really difficult. So it's clear that in addressing workplace violence in healthcare, we have to partner with and engage beyond our hospital and healthcare walls. I think we can all see that. But what approaches or strategies have you seen that either work or might hold great prompts? I appreciate that question. That, that's a really important thing to consider. And I've had the honor and privilege to be able to meet with some of our teammates at, at different facilities, namely Atrium Health Cleveland has a, a homegrown process and community group that gets together that's made up of healthcare leadership as well as local clergy, barbers, and law enforcement. And they meet together to have a partnership when problems arise. So they are all working together to decrease violence and the impact that it has on their communities. And outside of a homegrown approach, which is wonderful, and I wish it would happen that way everywhere, there are recommendations of how to approach violence in the communities. And and one such model is called the Cardiff model of violence prevention. This was designed in the United Kingdom, believe it or not. And it really uh, has two different objectives. The first is to bring healthcare data together with law enforcement data to get a really good idea of where the violence is coming from. So just as we struggle with uh, reporting of violent incidents, law enforcement also acknowledges that less than half of the violent acts that occur are actually reported to them. So bringing those two data sets together is quite helpful. And then the second thing that this model does is is really put together a framework to be able to have stakeholders throughout the community come together and have a purposeful and successful uh, approach to decreasing violence in their community. Yeah, they are just great examples because you think about who do you have to partner with? And you just mentioned a a number of the constituents. So the interaction with local law enforcement is really important for our security and safety teams that are in our organizations. And then reaching into the community, recognizing that this isn't just an isolated thing that happens in one place or another, but this is a a global issue impacting all of us. And I think the other couple of things that you've mentioned, one is the fact, uh, again, the long lasting effects. I think we know violence impacts people. We want to try to prevent reoccurrence and intervene when we can. But that now that we know more about how trauma affects people throughout their lifetime, I mean, this can have serious impacts on your health and well-being moving forward. And what have you seen in terms of how people respond to trauma and then they come into the healthcare setting? How does that, what's the intersection there? I'm seeing fear. I'm seeing anxiety and lack of trust to be completely honest. And that's a sad state to live in. It's difficult. It's challenging to be able to develop a a relationship with your patient to be able to help them heal. And 
not being able to have a trust when you walk into the, the doors of a healthcare facility is just it's nothing that we want. We want patients to be confident and reassured that we're going to do everything in our power to provide them with the best possible outcome, no matter what situation they provide us with. And unfortunately, over the past three or so years, we've lost a lot of ground and the amount of trust that we have for each other, even outside of the healthcare industry, uh, the, the amount of road rage we're seeing and, and assaults and different violence is just sad. Yeah. I'm smiling, not because I think this is funny at all, but, but because the incivility, it, it builds on each other, the incivility, people disagreeing about a variety of issues. Then you couple that with violence and you've got a recipe for, I don't want to quite always say disaster, but recipe for some un difficult things happening. That trust issue is a really important piece because the foundation of that caregiver or care provider and patient relationship and it can set up a dynamic where you're just at loggerheads and I think can contribute then to that violence actually occurring. Have you been successful or what type of things have you employed to try to establish that re or reestablish that trust early on in that patient relationship? A simple smile, the ability to be kind and to talk about kindness has been one of the one of the largest joys that I've had uh, as I've taken on this work of mitigating workplace violence. And it's it sounds simple, uh, but it's so nice to be able to share joy and share kindness with other people when you first meet them. And it's much easier to build that relationship when you have genuine kindness coming from you. And I've seen it not only between myself and patients that I see in the emergency department, but also with other teammates that, that I'm working alongside to try to help improve their the way that we handle uh, violence when it occurs uh, inside our healthcare facilities. Yeah, and understanding and meeting people where they're at, I think that's the key piece. So I want to switch gears a little bit. And this question is really very specific. Gun violence is a huge issue. And I know it's, it can sometimes be a political issue. It's very divisive in our country overall. But what role can and should healthcare leaders and systems play in firearm safety, in focusing on firearm safety in our communities? Just looking at the facts uh, currently in, in people uh, under the age of 65, firearms are involved in their death. And it's a top five, part of the top five reasons why death occurs in that age group. Unfortunately, understanding the cause of this and what we need to do as far as strategies to decrease the number of deaths that occur due to arm assaults is still yet to be determined. But we have seen the CDC put together strategies and research through the Division of Violence Prevention to really fill those gaps so we can have an approach to, to mitigate gun violence. Have you seen some things where uh, either emergency departments or healthcare systems have partnered with the community in order to, again, let's get off the subject of whether or not you should have a gun or not have a gun, but in order to promote at least safety, particularly in the home? Yes, I have. And it's always reassuring when different organizations get together with a common cause. And we have had a lot of success 
across all of our communities to be able to partner with our law enforcement. An example of the, the approach that we have towards uh, weapons is the placement of amnesty boxes outside of emergency departments. And the use of weapon screening, metal detectors at our entrances is, are both things that have become commonplace and accepted. And I think the old days of thinking that a metal detector would deter patients from wanting to come to the emergency department, we see them throughout our communities, whether it's a sporting event or a healthcare facility. Can you differentiate for us the difference between a, a metal detector? Because I, I think some of our listeners would love to have some of this practical advice as well. But between a metal detector and a weapons detection, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. It's amazing the technology that is out there for detecting weapons and also metal detection. we quite familiar with what it's like when you go to the airport and you have to take your shoes off and your belt off and go through these weapons detection machines. And there's ways to have a, a very accurate identification, but then you also have to pay attention to patient flow or person flow. There's weapons detection that occur at huge sporting events with tens of thousands of people. And if everybody had to go through a TSA weapons check, you would never be able to start the game because everyone would still be outside. So the technology through artificial intelligence allows these machines to really efficiently detect uh, weapons, which is different than um, metal. Uh, the, the actual identification of what a, a gun, for example, or a knife would look like. And, and that technology is something that, that we're very interested in looking at to, to decrease the chances of, of an individual coming into a hospital and inflicting uh, deadly force on, on other human beings. So when that's detected, then someone can just go up and talk to that person individually, as opposed to having thousands of people going through a significant metal detection. Yeah, I think that's a very practical piece that many of our listeners, again, will be interested in, in learning more about this more mass weapon detection approach so that we can use that can help uh, improve safety. And again, partnering with the community is just key to it's really where it all starts. So is there anything else? You've been a great help in helping us understand this connection. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you'd like to say or to add? Yeah, one last thing is, is really uh, culture. That we need to be able to share that safety with all of our, our teammates in healthcare. And that violence isn't uh, an acceptable part of our job. It's something that we need to work hard to, to decrease as we move forward, instead of just allowing it to happen. And that's gonna give us the, the best ability to take the best care of our patients so they can heal and be well. And I'll tell you, in a lot of these areas, the training and working with those who are providing care is just so critical because I know one of the things we all wrestle with is how do you create a healthcare environment that is warm, that is welcoming, that is healing, and also have weapons detection and panic alarms and alerts and all kinds of and security folks standing at the desk. How do you create that? And I think you may have given us the answer by focusing on how you approach people and the way that you bring yourself to work, which I think is dependent on the well-being 
Uh, so it's all related. It's dependent on the well-being of those that are there providing that care. Well, Jason, thank you so much for helping us understand the, this intersection of violence in the community and the healthcare setting. You know, the issue of violence, again, has such a far-reaching effect and long-term impact. So it's just critical that we understand that. And thanks to everyone who has joined us today as we continue to explore both strategies to prevent workplace violence and solutions to this. And as we discussed today, to partner with our community to do just that. So thank you again. <laughs>